This is More Than 5%, a podcast dedicated to covering the stories of women in sports. Whatever the sport, whatever the role, everyone is welcome. Now, let's join our hosts, Zoe Hicks and Carly Jackson, for a weekly conversation with women who inspire. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to More Than 5%. I am Zoe Hicks. And I'm your co-host, Carly Jackson. And today I'm super excited about our guest. She is just a ray of sunshine as a human being. Today we have Melissa Daldron on. I met her through the Canadian Women's National Team. She was our massage therapist for our last international event. Just recently met her, but absolute ray of sunshine as a human being, right? Just like someone who walks into a room, lights up the entire place. Talking about her background, I will have to catch my breath because this is a lot and it's just amazing to look at. I'm like speechless right now. Anyway, so Mel is a registered massage therapist working with the Blue Jays and Baseball Canada Women's National Team, as well as various individual athletes in sports like track and field, boxing, curling, cycling, hockey, baseball, basketball, rugby, soccer, and football. Jeez. Oh my goodness. Also a Lululemon ambassador, teaches breath work, stretch work, mobility work, yoga, trigger point work, and deep tissue massage. Also an avid runner, yogi, cyclist, and a huge baseball fan. Mel, welcome on. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. Can I take you everywhere I go to give <laughs> such awesome intros? I love it. <laughs> so, traveling high woman. I will be that. Yes. I'll add that to my resume. <laughs> so honored to be here. Thanks. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. As we start every episode, we'll do a little bit of good shit. Mel, I'm going to get you to go first. Yeah. So I'm trying to think about what would be something really good to share. And honestly, I just think because it's the holidays, my little dose of good shit is just that I've been happy in the last week that I'm coordinating a lot of get-togethers with friends. The holidays can sometimes be really tough for folks, whether they're not with their families or they have complicated situations and feelings. So I'm happy that with a few friends in my network, I've been reaching out to um, make little events like Boxing Day. I've got a little hike happening with some friends and people can bring their dogs, bring their kids, whatever, just to get out and about. I love being in nature and I find that always infuses me with doses of joy and happiness. And so I always love to share that. And the same thing we have in Toronto, there's a neighborhood where all the houses on the street have these giant inflatable Santas and almost every single house puts them up on their front lawn. The street itself is called Inglewood. And so for the holidays, they rename it Kringlewood. And it's the most magical thing to go through. So usually runners, walkers, like people, it just droves of people will go by through the holiday season to just walk up and down the street and see all the houses and how they're decorated. And so I love doing the annual Kringlewood run. And so that's my little dose of good shit is to spread holiday cheer and hope that maybe anyone listening who maybe hasn't always loved the holidays can maybe find their little doses of joy of just spending time with their friends or family. And maybe it's not holiday specific, but just to make sure you're not staying home and being grinchy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Finding ways to fill your cup around the holidays for sure. Yes. For yes. sure. My good shit is very similar around the holidays. I got all of my Christmas shopping done. So like my list nice. is checked off. I'm finished. I'm absolutely like, just have to wrap everything. But yeah, that's a very That's big huge. sigh of relief. Yes, absolutely. Stress. That's impressive. I haven't started. I'm team procrastination also. <laughs> 
handwritten letter gift kind of gal. No, that's awesome. I'm going to go with the festivities for the good shit. One of my billet parents has built a, um, they do this tradition of building like this giant gingerbread house and it's like this candy house and they shape the theme out of whatever's going on in their lives at the time. They've built this house and they built a rink on the outside and they have all the characters and all the people who are in our lives right now at the house. So we have... Um, the two parents, the two boys, myself, and the two dogs. And there's so much detail. There's literally hockey players outside the house. There's a rink. And they actually printed off a T6 jersey to put on the toy goalie. And anyway, it was just super, super sweet. Made me feel very um, just festive and loved. And it was good shit. So I see that every day for the past couple of days. It's so cute. Please take a picture and put that on our social media because I know I yes. would love to see it personally. <laughs> Yes. Um, and I'm sure that our listeners would also love to see Carly in toy form, version, in toy <laughs> candy form. Yeah, that's awesome. That's some good shit. Holiday good shit for today. Love that. We also got a foot of snow in Calgary. So that's also depending who you are. Good shit. Anyways, let's just let's get right into it. We usually like to start off right from the beginning. You are very involved in athletic events in running. And like you said, doing all these types of movement activities. Where did that start for you? What did you grow up loving about sports? And what is your story up to today? Yeah, I was lucky. I am much older than the two of you. And so I feel like growing up as an 80s baby, the schools in and around Toronto had excellent programming. There were lots of sports and extracurriculars and field trips and all that. So, so I just feel like I was always surrounded by stuff to do. And as a lot of parents who may not have the ability to send their kids pay for stuff to do, my mom just signed me up for whatever was free, whatever was available at school. I did track and field, volleyball, all that stuff in public school. When I got to high school, I became a part of a too cool for that stuff crowd, which I laugh at now because of how much sports and movement is a part of my life that I can't believe I was a part of like, ew, sweating's gross. But they're just, yeah, I just abandoned it all in high school and then going to college realized how much I missed it and stupid that was of me. <laughs> So let that, let that go. So I actually got involved in the sport of kickboxing because I just, I needed something to get me back in shape and to have a good sweat. And I thought it was great to have the side benefit of some self-defense. And so I started just taking a class that was offered at my university. And then I ended up dropping out after a year of university. And, but I loved that kickboxing so much, I found just like a local club and uh, which ended up segueing into me focusing more on traditional Olympic style boxing. And, and that's what sparked the, my sort of inner athlete to come out was I trained and did a few like local competitions in boxing for a number of years. And then through boxing, that's how I got involved in running because you have to do your road work and build your endurance to be fit for the ring. And so begrudgingly, I started running. And then as it happens, every athlete's journey, there's some kind of injury. I happened to have a rotator cuff injury at some point. 
but while I was rehabbing, I knew I could still run. My legs were working. And so I just got involved in running a lot more and then just, and found sort of community groups to be involved with. I found that helpful personally to run with other people, to push myself, but to also that idea of suffering together made it feel better. And yeah, and that sort of leads us into where I am now. Through boxing and running, I also discovered, that's how I discovered yoga because I needed the yin to the yang. I needed something that was giving my body some stretching, some relaxation, understanding mind-body connection. And so I really was happy that I kind of fell into, someone must have suggested it. And I went to a yoga class and it really resonated. I've always paired all my, whatever, exciting adventurous activities with pairing them up with yoga to settle my brain and get more connected that way. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about community and events. I followed you on social media for a little bit now, and I see that you always go to these big running events or these big yoga retreats and all that type of stuff. That also led you to become a Lululemon ambassador. Can you run us through how that happened and then also what it entails for you now? Yeah, absolutely. I've been a Toronto Lululemon ambassador for, um, a, this is my third year now that I've been involved. So essentially, Toronto has a really big running community. And I started, when I started running and knowing that I wanted to run year round, as I said, I was looking for these community groups. So it started out where I was running with Nike, had these little run clubs that were available in the city about eight-ish, 10-ish years ago. And I noticed that there was one that was close to where I lived. So I would show up and they were just free run groups. And then from there, you start to just meet other people, get to know what else is happening. And then I discovered that there was a running group in a neighborhood that I used to live in, but still held near and dear to my heart, a neighborhood in Toronto called Parkdale. And so there was a group called the Parkdale Roadrunners. I found them on social media. I asked them like, is it, what kind of club is it? And so they're like, just show up every Tuesday. And so I did. And I was like, oh man, where were you guys when I lived here? But I decided to show up and just being affiliated with the Parkdale Roadrunners. I met so many amazing people. They would do amazing philanthropic endeavors once a year that they would use running to, to raise awareness or money for a specific cause, charity. And I really loved how they did that in the community. And just going to events and meeting more people is how I then got to know folks who worked for Lululemon and got to see, they got to see what I was helping out doing in with Parkdale and in that community. And it was just that symbiotic kind of friendships and networks that would be built. And then in 2020, or I guess 2019, I started, I had moved to a different part of the city and I was connected with the local Lululemon store there with one of their community managers. And so she just, we started to have coffee. She was asking me if I was going to do anything in that sort of neighborhood with yoga or events. And we just got to connecting and the following year in 2020, like before the, I guess, yeah, I guess it was just as pandemic was hitting us, they were still doing their ambassadorships and she's, do you want to be our store ambassador? And so I jumped at the opportunity and especially in a pandemic year, it was really unique and challenging for so many reasons, but I was able to do a lot of virtual content with yoga and also running and cycling. We were, people were still somewhat able to meet and be outside more. So I really feel like in Toronto anyway, 
our running and cycling communities were really solidified during that 2020, that summer of 2020, because everyone was just outside. And it was the first year of everyone transitioning to work from home and not, and figuring out, no, we need outside. So yeah. So what it entails essentially is just, it's different for everyone in every sort of city market, but basically they just want to support you doing whatever you're already doing. So for me, I liked hosting classes, teaching yoga for runners. I got into cycling. So I was also merging cycling and running and they just wanted to support whatever I was doing. So if I had ideas for classes or for fundraising events, if they are able to support, they do. And whether that's like offering gift bags or whatever, or offering a space, it's always just like an open relationship that each ambassador with each store and market, it's a, it's going to show up and look a little differently for them. But for me, that's how it's looked. I've also been asked to participate in different campaigns, whether it's photo shoots or video, social media content campaigns, which has always been fun. And I'd say the biggest opportunity and really cool thing was last, I keep saying last year, but it was still 2022. Spring of 2022, I was asked to join a Lululemon ultra marathon team as their massage therapist, not as the ultra runner, <laughs> but they were doing this incredible race called the speed project where a team of runners will run from LA to Las Vegas and you've got 20 you've got like two days to do it as an ultra marathon relay and so Lululemon put together an all-women's team and they asked me to be a part of their support crew to help keep the runners as happy and healthy as possible in that intense two-day period of them running non-stop relay style so that was I'd say probably the biggest and coolest thing that I've been able to do with the brand. And I met some, like, it was a group of almost all strangers because they were ambassadors and runners from all over Canada and the U.S. And so we definitely created our own little family unit that weekend. And yeah, it was amazing. That's awesome. I'm a huge Lulu fan and I have been for a long time. Now that I work for them as like, a part-time educator. So I'm like just starting whatever. I've always looked up to Lulu as far as like the ties to the community and using the resources that are around. Like you said, like exactly. they reached out to you because they knew you were a massage therapist and they're going to use their community members, right? They're not going to outsource this to someone else, whatever. Like they use what's around there and they connect to that community. And I love that just from an outsider's perspective and now seeing how important it is to every employee also, are we doing the best job here? Are we connecting with as many athletes as we possibly can? Seeing it from both sides now, it like really Absolutely. impresses me as a company because it's basically putting everything that you say and all your values into practice. We value these things, but we're also going to go do it instead of just saying, oh, yes. corporations value yes. X, Y, Z. Like they, it's actually they happening. They seek alignment. Absolutely. They really seek alignment. It's actually, that. yeah. And 100%. I will say side note, they do support a lot of minor league baseball players. So I'd in a few people that work in head office that I've had conversations with when they find out that I work in baseball, they've often mentioned in depending on the market, but I think like San Diego is a big one where a lot of minor league players during their off season are also Lululemon educators and work with the brand because they offer such great flexibility with a schedule. And we know the plight that minor leaguers not getting paid what they should, although now it's changing, but especially over the last few years since that's been happening. So yeah, I find they they try to be very supportive of athletes from both sides of the business.
Yeah, that's actually why I applied for the job. So I was sitting around at work talking to a bunch of my buddies about, oh, Lulu discounts and oh, Sweat Collective and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to apply and get a job at Lulu. And someone's like, yeah, that's what, that's what minor league baseball players do in their off season. And I was like, why can't I? So then <laughs> I think I applied that day and then, yeah, I'm doing the holiday season working seasonally. And so it's weird Love how it. the baseball connection got me <laughs> to apply to the Lulu job. So yeah, super Love cool. It. Love it. Yes. Yeah. So I kind of want to tap into your experience working in professional sports. Are there certain things that you rely on more than others? Is there a specific thing that you say, this is why I'm successful in this space? Ooh, um, I'd say for me, I'd say there's probably a few things of why I think I'm successful. I think just my passion for helping people and wanting to be a part of, of a team to help my athletes succeed. I think, I hope everyone who works in sports has that. I just know that for me, anything I do, I know I have to feel passionately about. So I definitely think that's a big one. And also curiosity. Like for me, I'm a part of the reason I got into being a massage therapist is I feel like I'm a lifelong learner and I love that it's a career path that you don't just go to school and that's it. There's always ways to grow, always new research coming out, old ways of thinking that get debunked, that sort of thing, and always different ways you can still go about doing your job. So I feel like there's constant growth in this field. So I think like my curiosity for that and wanting to always see what's out there, what can I try, what can I apply to help my athletes recover better or give them just more informed information about how they can, what they can do outside of seeing a therapist to help their, with their athletic recovery. So yeah. And I just, I don't know. I think each person has their own sort of, obviously has their own personality and you have to figure that out when you're in a workplace. But I think with athletes and sports, yeah, passion, curiosity, and empathy, because everyone who's trying to be, even if you're an amateur, like collegiate athlete, but anyone who's trying to be a high performance athlete is sacrificing so much, working so hard. So if I can try to understand and know where they're coming from and try to just put a little ease into their day of, okay, I know what's happening. How can I make your day better? How can I improve your performance in whatever that 1% degree? That's, I'd say what I do to help athletes. Yeah. Those are my pluses. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, I know firsthand the curiosity of it's always learning because I worked with you this past summer, right? You massaged my shoulders and I was like, this is heaven. <laughs> so I want to go into that story of like, how did you get involved with the women's baseball national team? And how did that opportunity come about for you? Because if I'm not mistaken, it was you reached out and then it, you volunteered to come hang out with yes. us, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I'd say this is how almost how I get all of my jobs in sport is just like me saying, you should hire me. <laughs> like, how can I help? So I, how do I, how do I start this story? Okay. So I work with the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm a consulting massage therapist. I work with them in a specific capacity during their home games. I don't travel with the team, but I'm like on the team as an extra set of hands. So they have me come in following a specific schedule during the season. And every year the team also get student athletic therapy interns. Of course, Katie Rays was a former guest of the pod and shared her story. And so this year she was our intern and we got to know each other on the days that I would come in and I would was able to hang out and chit chat and get to know her. And 
I learned that she was a baseball player and that she was from BC. And then she started telling me about this opportunity to try that there was nationals coming up and that she was hoping to make the women's national team. I was like, oh, sick. And she said it was in Thunder Bay. And I was like, wait, when? And then I like cross-reference when it was on the schedule. I was like, who's, and then I start asking her a million questions. I was like, who's the head therapist? Who's on the team? Do you guys have a massage therapist? She's like, I don't have all these answers. I was like, I would love to help out. She's like, oh my God, that would be so amazing. And she's let me ask one of my coaches and I'll see what the situation is. And if I can put you in touch with someone. And I said, oh, that would be incredible. So she goes back does her thing, comes back to me. She's like, my coach isn't sure if there'd be a position, but she said to reach out to her. And she gave me Ashley Stevenson's email. Lo and behold, I know Ashley. We had never met in person, but we are social media friends. I had seen her speak at a baseball event years ago. And from that had followed her on Twitter, followed her on Instagram. So I was like, oh my God, Ash, this is amazing. So I emailed her and I was basically like, listen, whatever you have, like, I'm happy to volunteer. You don't have to pay me because I know what it's like, A, just women's sport, but especially with Canadian sport, that budget is always a problem. And so she's let me talk to the CEO and I'll see what's up. And essentially I offered to pay my own way to Thunder Bay if I could get an opportunity to work with the team. And so they're like, you're really, you want to pay your own way to Thunder Bay? And I was like, yeah, that's how much I want to work with the women's national team. So they said yes. And, and then, yeah, I flew on up, joined the team. And it was honestly the best week Ever. Like I just, it was, it's such a grind. You all, like I left wanting to be like, okay, who do I talk to? Who do I have to meet with? How do we get them more funding? Like these girls kick ass. They work their butts off. And I just wanted to become like the biggest advocate for that squad. Cause all the coaches, it, anyway, it was just like the best week. It was the best week. Yes. So I was very I happy that Jason, who's the CEO of Baseball Canada, said yes, and uh, and that I got that opportunity. I don't think I, I actually don't think I've ever talked about that week on the pod. So just for background for everyone listening, if you have no idea what we're talking about, Baseball Canada, the women's national team, played Team USA's women's national team for a five-game series in Thunder Bay this summer. Just because World Cup didn't end up panning out for either team due to a bunch of different reasons. So we ended up playing each other, getting a little bit of international competition, staying sharp for potentially World Cup or World Cup qualifiers next year. And then, yeah, Mel hung out with us, got to see inside look at that situation. And um, so, yeah. Okay, so I have a question. Potentially no answer, potentially an answer, I don't know. So you work with the Blue Jays, male professional athletes, and then you worked with us, not professional, but national team level female athletes. Are there differences in the type of treatment or kind of how you go about things? Or is there like a difference in how you work with both, I guess, both genders in a high level situation? Yeah, I get yes and no. So I just think inherently personalities, I don't know, working with women is just always different. When you're a woman therapist, I just think there's a different comfort level that is a little more automatic when you're just working with other women. But as far as just like the sport and the way I have to approach things, not necessarily other than just musculature of body. Like obviously the pro athletes are all like huge six feet to six, five. They're just their upper body strength and musculature is going to be very different than women. But as far as what I'm working on and how I'm working on it, I'd say not too differently. I'd say the biggest 
change, the biggest difference is with, and I'll just use like the Jays as the example, with pro athletes, that's all they do. So you see everything they deal with is literally because of that sport. And But they also have the time to do all their prep, do all their strengthening, do all their stretching. So their bodies inherently are also just different than even reg, quote unquote regular folks. So I'd say with the ladies that I worked with, all of you were in different spaces and areas in your life. Some are multi-sport athletes. There was a lot of, I play hockey in the winter, baseball in the summer. So that's going to be a little different. Some who are students. So like you're spending time hunched over a computer reading. So like your restrictions and stuff are going to be athletic stuff plus other things that I don't think professional athletes really have to worry about or deal with. So yes, there's differences. And I think, but it's more about just the other things that you all as the women's national team were dealing with outside of just doing your sport. Right. No, absolutely. So it would be like the same type of injuries, the same type of like yeah. body parts um, you're working so on. So you'll see a lot of time, or at least what I've noticed with the women athletes, both baseball and I've worked with a lot of collegiate high school and collegiate women bas women's basketball athletes you'll find sometimes they're more prone to like acl injuries your hip mobility will be slightly different just because the way our bodies are shaped so for the most part you're still getting a lot of similar stuff you know everyone's shoulders and and arms and elbows and forearms are going to be jacked from the repetitive action of throwing all the time you're going to have some low back stuff from your swing or whatever so you're still seeing a lot of similarities but yeah I'd say for women sometimes lower body injuries I find might be more prevalent and that's just like more due to just women's physiology but it also could be due to like the multiple sports you guys all play too right absolutely <laughs> yeah one thing I think I noticed just like watching behind the scenes with professional baseball it's like they have the ramp up period they have everything is like structured for okay you're supposed to throw live in a game on this day your first bullpen is this day you know what I mean like it's so ramped up so like their mm -hmm. body is primed and ready and for us as the women's national team like we go to nationals we play a crap ton with our provincial team we get selected and then we go play with the national team so it's like you go from zero to 100 like that and you yeah. are expected to perform yeah. at a high level. And no, no, no downtime. There, and there's no like ramp up yeah. period. There's no downtime. Yeah. There's no yeah. kind of prepping your body for this yes. high volume. It's like, and I was going to say, and where you would need extra therapists to help, there's no budget for. So it's the same thing. Even the men's national, like even men's national team level or like minor leaguers, like they all will just have a trainer. And it still boggles my mind. That's a thing. Even in paid professional minor leagues that there's just one head trainer and that's it and the guys have to just find their own their own massage therapist or whatever else outside of that if they need it and if they can afford it and I'd say the scheduling the tournament scheduling was also interesting to me because even on the night games like y'all were working out at 9 a.m. And it was like a full day where I was like, wow, get these girls to sleep in. <laughs> yeah, seriously, we'd finish and we'd get back to the dorms at 11. And it was like, yeah, bus leaves 730 for practice in the morning. And we're like, yeah. help. <laughs> it, it is like we're trying to get as much out of it as possible. And I but totally exactly. understand like, the scheduling. Like we don't absolutely. get together that often. So yes, we want to practice. We want to put in our systems, all that type yes. of stuff. But yes. the tough part is coming off of a nationals. We played seven games. And if you're on a national team, it's assumed that you're also one of the best players for your provincial team. So you're then getting used and abused 
in every inning of every game <laughs> that week prior, that yeah. tryout week or that tryout weekend, whatever. And then you show up to the national team and they're like, yeah, but we're still going to start. We're like, it's a sprint for two weeks. Yeah. We're still going to go. So it's tough being able to yeah. be like, hey, like I need a couple innings off to your provincial coach or whatever, because it's, it's tough because you're trying to think about, okay, if I do make this team, I want to be ready and I want to be able to perform. I also want to give my all to my provincial team. So there's so many things going on and that you're asking your body for so much. And it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things you're like, I, I get it. I understand. Is it the best situation? Probably not. Is it the best way to go about things? Probably not. It's what we have. And it's what we got to do. And it's what we got to push through. So until sure. the situation is better, that's, you know, what we're working with. Yeah. The, that's the plight of women's sports. Um, do you yeah. find it similar, Carly, on the hockey side? Where do you feel like from anything you might know or see of like men's pro hockey is your scheduling? Does it feel like you're having to do more with less? I would definitely say, yeah, absolutely. Like you just don't have as much resources and you're trying to squeeze it in there and, and to make it work with what you have. And I think that is also just a reality of sports. Unless you're playing, let's say in the hockey world, NHL or Major League Baseball or whatever, that's where you're going to get the best of the best. But I think I'm a strong believer and it's very infrequent that you have a perfect scenario in terms of having all the resources and having, you know, everything you need to succeed. That's rare. That's incredibly rare. Even if it's for a year. At any point in my career, I think it's hard. Like I could pick out a few instances where I'm like, okay, yeah, that was pretty sweet to have this thing or that thing. But I'm a big believer in making the best of what you do have. Absolutely. It's a shame that it isn't the case across the board. They're talking about the women's national team. Like, yeah, you guys have to squeeze in a lot of work in a very short period of time. And could it be better? And could it be, let's say, could there be more time? Could there be more resources? 100% yes. But I would say that particularly in my experience with, with the athletes I've worked with and, and met and been a part of is female athletes are professionals and making the most of what we have. And it shouldn't be that way, but it is. And it's a very impressive feat. And I think it's just the people that are able to be able to take that mindset and just run with it. I think it's very impressive and it just goes so much beyond um, let's just say recovery or habits or whatever. I think it really spreads into their lives and they just I see, I've met all these people and both of you, like who just, they just exert that light and that, that drive and that passion for what they do. And it's, I think it's just very obvious when you meet an athlete who makes the most of their situation and it Absolutely. just shine a light in everywhere they go. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. Just, it always comes back to passion. That's why anyone who's getting into sports and athletics, like you really do do it because you love it, because there's never a guarantee that you're going to have all the money, the resources, et cetera, and get to whatever that the goal is always to get to the pinnacle in your sport, in your area, but you, you would do it. You do it regardless. You do it regardless. And that's, I find that's one of the most interesting about thing about female sports is if you look into the psychology of male athletes who sign contracts for million of, millions of dollars and they get these, they land these huge contracts and then they play like poo for the next however many years. But you're looking at female athletes, the motivation has never been money in so many, mm -hmm. there's few instances where I'm sure it is, but I would say the majority of the time, it's not like, oh yeah, I'm playing hockey to land that million dollar contract. And Yeah. Well, that's, it's, I think that's the 
collective difference of genders is in some of the coaching that I've done and little coaching workshops, they always say like girls when they're young, like their first entryway, the sports isn't about the competition, but it's about the camaraderie. And it's about just being able to be with their friends or to make friends. And then they can get into what it means to be competitive, where a lot of times boys get in because they want to compete and they just want to win. But then the byproduct is that they make friends and they make it build a community. And I think that just shows as women get into high school, college, adulthood, into whether there's pro leagues or not, that yeah, we are still in it because we love the sport, but we love what it's giving us. And we know we want to give that back in some capacity. And I think you're seeing it a lot now in the WNBA, mm -hmm. the NWSL, the PHF. We're at, yes. we're at a time right now in a lot of different sports, but those are the three that you know come to mind for myself, where those two worlds are colliding, right? Where you have these level athletes who are now having an opportunity to support themselves and to have that career full-time. Like yes. I'm very fortunate. I am a full-time professional athlete. So we're able, we're talking earlier about recovery and having that time to de dedicate to your body. It is just unbelievable. So to see these athletes now who have done this for all these internal reasons are now getting the resources to back them up. It's just the product in the next year and the next 10 years of women's sports, I just think is oh, yeah. so exciting. Now, yeah. you know, you're not doing the, yeah, I have, I'm a professional athlete and I have a job and I'm a kid or whatever yep. it's going to be. Exactly. The product is going to be unbelievable. And that's it. And we're seeing businesses and media companies starting to actually realize that investing in women's sports really, they, they get tenfold into whatever their brand and product that they want is that if they spend the money, they see the results. Yeah. It's a good time to be in women's sports. Yeah. <laughs> in women's sports. And that's something we've talked about before is like the changing of wording of like support women's sports versus invest in women's sports. Cause support yes. makes it sound like a charity. Like you yes. have to support it, even though mm -hmm. it's not great, you got to support it, but investing in it because it's an investment. It's a good exactly. investment. It is exactly. a up and coming, like invite, like, it's an investment that should be like businesses should be taking into consideration. So I think just that wording of no invest in it because it, it's doing well. The numbers exactly. are backing up exactly what we're saying. Like just watch but, a game. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's what I say to people. Watch one game. Yeah. You and you'll see. It's, you'll just see it. You'll, you'll see, see it right away. We talked about this last week with Brooke Stacy. They sold out Montreal's home opener. They sold out in mm, Montreal, amazing. a hockey town of Montreal. They sold out their P first PHF franchise game. That doesn't happen because you're oh supporting like exactly. people love the product people are yep. investing in the product and they love to follow these athletes and that's like like huge to see this actually happening it's not like mom and dad are coming to the game people are going out of their way to buy the jerseys buy the tickets exactly. show up to the games and support the team um i think that was the first ever guest to ask one of us a question during an episode <laughs> so congratulations mel <laughs> keep doing the first all the first just um, want to circle back and no, bring everyone absolutely. into the conversation. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Um, if you could give your younger self advice, what would it be? To be more fearless. I think I have matured and grown into the person I am. A lot of it was because I feel I realized later on, and I guess it was through this second career change that I've only been a massage therapist for nine, nine years. Before that, I had a whole other career, corporate career in design and advertising. And, but I, I realized that I was unhappy and it wasn't fulfilling. And, and then 
there was a whole series of events with the universe and people I know that led me to this role. That's like a whole other podcast. But I think taking that risk then set off a domino effect of then being a little more fearless with things and going after, even if I was like, oh, I'll probably never get it. Or I'm escape, I'm afraid of this. What, you know, all you can, all you can, all people can do is say no, but if you don't ever ask, or if you don't ever seek out, then you'll never know. And I think I definitely spent a lot of my sort of twenties playing it safe and just like letting, not leaning into uncomfortable moments, not speaking up, that sort of thing. So if there was anything I would tell my younger self is just to, you'll be okay, but just to be a little more fearless. I love that. Nice. I, love that. I have fearless tattooed on my body. So I feel that personally. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Before we get into the silly questions, is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners? Anything, any kind of message you would like to spread or anybody you'd like to say hi to? Um, I think I I really believe we covered it and I'll just reiterate whoever you are, wherever you are, invest in women's sports, find out, you know, who your local teams are, are there local athletes that need help, high school, college, maybe it's volunteering, like just get involved because that's how we grow the game, regardless of what sport it is. But if you can start something at the grassroots level, you'd be surprised, especially for girls, the way the research, the studies are there. Girls who participate in sports are like less likely to find themselves in bad relationships. They're usually end up going for more leadership positions. If they're in the corporate world, there's nothing but good that comes out of girls participating in sport. And so if you have the means, invest, get your company involved. And yeah, that would be my only message. Just to add on to that. Um, if you are involved in sport, if you love women's sports, find a way to give back to women's sports. That is one thing that I really like fills my heart with so much joy is I love baseball, softball. I barely had any female coaches growing up. It was always someone's dad who's going to help out. Being that role model for somebody else is huge. So yes. like figuring out, okay, you're a hockey player, you're a baseball player, you do jujitsu, you do whatever. If you are at a higher level and you've gone through a system, find exactly. ways to give back, find ways to help out, use your experience, whatever your experience is, one year, two years, six months, 10 years, whatever, whatever you have can be helpful to someone else, regardless of if you think so or not, it absolutely will be. So find ways to invest back into what helped you get to where you are. Yes. Agreed. Soapbox finished. <laughs> All right. So we've got a set of silly questions. They're a little bit of a brain burner, but they're just a yes or no kind of rapid fire situation here. All right. But there's no wrong answers. There is a hundred percent wrong answers. <laughs> you can't be wrong. <laughs> but if you have the logic to back it up, we're here to listen. So <laughs> question number one, do you think cereal is a soup? Yes or no? No. <laughs> Why? I guess I've never had been asked that question. I don't know, because it's cold, it's cereal. But I, I guess it's, there's no, it's with milk. So I, I don't know, soup to me is like some kind of broth-based meal. So it can't be a soup because it's just milk in a bowl. <laughs> but what about mushroom soup? Mushroom soup is like cream-based. It is, but it, but there's still like a, I don't know. I don't, I've never been asked that question. So now I'm going to be left to ponder. That's, I was stumped by this by someone else. It was very controversial. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Like, 
there are a lot of people say yes a lot of people say no i had a friend make a whole powerpoint about it like it's controversial all right question number two is a pop tart a ravioli no a pop tart is a pastry pop tart is a pastry that was a test and you passed (laughs) all right question number three is a pea in a pod also considered a yolk from an egg oh Man, these are sound way more philosophical than I thought. <laughs> is a pea in a pod more like a yolk and an egg? No, because a yolk, I don't know. I feel like the yolk is the part of the inside. Like it's not separate where a pea is just a separate thing that's in a pod. I don't know. I say no. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> All right. Last question here. Are socks shoes? <laughs> no. Shoes, shoes are meant to have a hard bottom to protect your feet. Socks don't have that. Socks are just to keep you warm, blisters away. Socks are socks, shoes are shoes. <laughs> socks are socks, shoes are shoes. Put that on a t-shirt of that. <laughs> Signed off. <laughs> It'll be in our merch store in a week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. That's all we have for you this week. Thank you for listening to More Than 5%. We'll come at you with another episode next Thursday at 11 a.m. Central. Our action item for this week, be kind to people. It's the holiday season. Just be nice. Be nice to retail workers. Be nice to service workers. Be nice to everyone. Just be nice. That's all we have. Okay, bye. Bye.